0: Hello and welcome to Death of a Thousand Cuts, making you an awesome writer one cut at a time. My name is Tim Clare, and this is a show about writing for writers, for readers, and for anyone with a morbid fascination with how all the story sausage is made. To that end, we have three central planks to our writing manifesto. Number one, to help you write more. Number two, to help you write better. And number three, to help you be a little bit happier. As you do both those things, I'm not sure that is precisely how a manifesto works. Um, I'm I'm not a politician. That's uh, why you can trust me, because I. <laughs> I take no responsibility for anything. No, um today's episode is the first episode of season 4 of Death of a Thousand Cuts. I I slice the podcast up into seasons um, more or less arbitrarily, but in any case this is uh, a new season and today I am chatting to the author Naomi Ishiguro um about her well about writing, about stories. Obviously we talk about those things every time I have a guest on, but um also, uh, we get to chatting about her debut short story collection, Escape Roots, and the various stories in that, and just about doing writing and what it's like when you get a book out and uh, it a very nice chat. Something you sort of probably need to know, or at least it would be polite of me to say before you listen to today's one, is I somehow lost the final five minutes of our chat. It was, I'm not suggesting that... The, the chat had sort of ran out of steam by then but um the bit that's missing at the end was mostly me saying thank you for being on the show uh goodbye <laughs> so you haven't lost anything except for um the courtesy of a uh of a seamless dismount uh and me saying thank you to naomi for being on the show uh I'm very grateful to Naomi for being on the show and I thank you to her for doing that. Uh, but, so it fades out at the end and, you know, I thought I could come in at the end and go, and oh, that's it um, for you, for your listening pleasure, but no, I just don't, I think, I think you, you're going to manage it. Um, it's just over an hour long so you won't be sort of like spending the whole thing worrying, is this the moment? And it, it ends um, with me interrupting the guest to more or less restate their interesting point um in a less interesting way um which is an unattractive habit of mine and i apologize for it i am i'm working on it it's um it's uh it's a sobering experience uh listening to yourself uh recorded listening to what hearing your own conversational skills um captured in vivo so to speak uh i'm not going to mount a defense of them now just to say like i'm i i listen to these things also when i edit them um i know (laughs) so you know I'm, i'm work i'm working on it and slowly slowly i hope get slightly better at it uh but it was a really enjoyable chat really enjoyable talk this was recorded a couple of months ago hence our being in the same room i remember that um Because at the time of recording, uh, most people are not in the same rooms. Uh, Don't have much more of a commentary on that to say than just explaining that part of it. It's really nice to see people face to face. It has a nostalgic... uh, Nostalgia meaning... Pain for home. Yeah, I know. I know those feels. Um... But um, if you enjoy the chat today, or I suppose even if you don't, but you just feel oddly compelled to do anything I tell you to, um, I'll put links in the show notes to uh, for Naomi's collection, Escape Roots. Uh, just like who doesn't love a short story collection, basically. It's just like getting yourself a little chocolate box and you just get to dive in. and And more so than many other collections, I think this one's really has a has a real range of different stories and different styles and we talk about this in the episode but um it's kind of exciting to not just have someone establish that they can do one trick over and over again but take a run at lots of different types of story that's what i want in a short story collection um so i'll put links in the show notes these given that it's like a super cool thing you can do at the moment is to support bricks and mortars bookshops bricks and mortars bricks and mortar bookshops mortar is an uncount noun tim you don't need to put an s on the end um i i just sort of obviously if i put links then because people have incredibly poor impulse control that just that that more books will be sold right so i do that to make it as easy as you easy as possible to to create as little friction between you having the impulse i would like to buy this book and you're getting it for yourself however um if you can go online and get it from a bricks and mortar bookshop in your country uh especially indie bookshops if you can please do that uh like amazon are gonna survive uh very very sort of shutting down of parts of society very very well um, bricks and mortar bookshops are going to have a hell of a time getting through this and, and that is a key part of the entire writing and books infrastructure and ecosystem so anything you can do to support those shops and I yeah it's asking you to go through a couple more hurdles but if you can um, you still get your books but you're putting more tax money into your community and you are supporting a really valuable public resource that if we don't work together to look after just won't be there so um yeah escape routes i'll put links in the show notes and there's also links to my two novels the honors and the ice house uh, which are both out in paperback now and if you want to read them read them in that order the honors and then the ice house but um if you if you'd like to buy either of our books um i'll put links but your ideal thing is to if you if you would mind making the, the extra few jumps i know asking you to do that makes it less likely that you'll do it um but that would be really cool and you'll be um doing the world a massive fave and and making it more likely that the authors you love can continue writing. Also, final 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 thing, um this show doesn't have sponsors, but it I do have a coffee page, K O-Fi dot com forward slash Tim Clare. Again, links in the show notes, links on my website, I just help if you want to drop me a couple of beans via that website, then it helps me continue running the show. Basically, people I don't give people anything for doing it except for my gratitude, but if listeners chip in, it just adds up and it covers my costs and it covers my time and it, it, I'm just really grateful for those of you who have done that um, and at some stage I'll be setting it setting up my page. it might have even done it already. Um, one listener gave me donated me like an upgrade to my coffee page now so now I can take re- recurring payments so people can just sign up to give me a little bit per month and that makes a huge difference as you can imagine especially if a few people do it suddenly it adds up and i'm in a position where i can do this podcast and i can really throw myself into it and try and give you as much interesting fascinating useful content and support as i can uh so thank you to everyone who's donated and if you'd like to there's a link in the show notes thank you um Right. I think that noise means it's time for me to introduce today's chat. I hope you enjoy it even more than I did. Um, This is me talking to Naomi Shiguro. So, I suppose where I would like to begin, well, literally where I'd like to begin, is I just wanted to ask a question that I ask lots of writers, which is what is the one of the first stories that you can remember telling
1: telling Mm, goodness uh you mean like kind of just like telling people sort of like orally like speaking like like... i mean like i Mm.
0: i I, some for some people it is literally like a creative writing thing for Mm. some people it's like relating an anecdote for some people it's actually less about a story that they heard that they told and one that was told to them i don't know like yeah it's a really interesting question
1: it's really like broad broad one um probably like i'd say at school like actually probably a writing thing um i used to love like you know you do creative writing at school and you're like 10 10 and stuff like that i I just remember writing some weird story about a train there was a train it was kind of like all the all the all of society was on a train and (laughs) um there was I don't know. It was like the, the, they were all trying to get to the front of the train because that's where the I don't know God was meant to be or something, and then it just turned out it was a baby. Uh, yeah. <laughs> so hang on,
0: God. Like, so let me get this straight. That The like, yeah. train was like a metaphor for society. Yeah. And at the front of the train, the kind of reveal of the story. Yeah. I'm so, I'm, I'm smiling because I'm enjoying it, not because I'm mock. I didn't say. I didn't like, say this so, like, to like roast ten. you as a ten year old. <laughs> and the reveal yeah. is that God is a is a baby
1: yeah that was wow that was the I don't know that's the only thing I remember really from writing stories as a child yeah
0: did you did you in hmm. we did you have a sense of like I know there's like an element of myth making here but like did you have a sense of like that writing was like your thing or something that you enjoyed then or is it or did it never even cross your mind that like writing was something that you might want to do
1: yeah I I definitely did want to do it because I don't know it's always it's always been around Um, I had some great English teachers at school as well like they were very encouraging with writing and stuff like that so they were always like I don't know helping us set up our own magazines and creative writing societies and all that kind of thing so that was definitely yeah
0: lots of writers I've talked about have got like in their life have got some kind of mentor figure or something I kind of like think of as like a kind of permission figure. Someone who kind of goes, Huh, this thing you're doing is a good thing. Could you do more of it? I'm getting the sense that you had a couple of teachers who maybe were a bit, yeah like, definitely took you seriously
1: yeah and also just that kind of just show you like a way to be like with like the words are uh, important and sort of take you into a world in which yeah like poetry and literature feel like kind of legitimate concerns to be spending your sort of time and effort on rather than sort of just a waste of time and you have to be you know doing something useful <laughs> in a massive massive inverted commas um yeah drama teachers as well i had some amazing drama teachers english teachers and drama teachers do do you feel like you had a a person that well, I don't know, I'm
0: sure Yeah, <laughs> no, like I, yeah. I I mean mm. I had it's I had this um I suppose it's a topic that I, I got like a bit exercised at one point when yeah. people were saying, Can you create a write and be taught? And I was like mm. going, I can talk about all these inspirational people in my life who've been really kind to me, who read my stories, who yeah. said, This is good. Can you think a bit more about this? And I was like, I've been taught loads and I feel like if I was abandoning them, yeah, like I mean my English teacher, Mr. Walton, when I was in year seven, I remember it was my first ever English literature class. I mm. went and I got lost on the way. Did you? And okay. I was really nervous. And then I came into the lesson mm. late and he said, Here he is. He's fought off lions and tigers. He's made his way through jungle. And he made mm. up a kind of story about how I'd got there. Yeah. And like inside, I was like, oh, This is what everything I dreamed an English lesson would be about. You know, we're making up a story, isn't it? And um, he actually came to my Book launch um, last year, and and it was the first time I'd seen him in like like twenty five. Wow! Years. How did you find him? Did like, you invite Facebook, him? Facebook. Yeah, he found out about it. Like he, we mm. we he'd kind of got back into touch a tiny bit because I'd written a piece about mentors, and someone had pointed him towards it, saying that I'd named him. Oh, cool! Sounds, and then yeah. I saw him, and it's kind of like a weird, it's kind of like a weird moment where like I said I kind of like he gave me a copy of my book to sign for him yeah and I don't want to like overplay the moment of this kind of like but it was this moment of like oh like I feel I've kind of made I'm not I mean, yeah I feel like I've made it you know? yeah like and it's that was, like that, that was...
1: moment of like when you feel like you've made it I think is quite nebulous like you think oh it'll be when the book's on the shelf and then you look at it and you're like what does this even mean <laughs> like does it mean anything so yeah I think, I think there's, there are these sort of points where like, the reason, not the reason that you're doing it but something sort of happens and you're like oh that's why like that's the moment uh, has, um, that,
0: has that I, I, I think the phrasing used by Amanda Palmer was like waiting to be um, tapped on the head with the magic wand of legitimacy. Oh, has I haven't heard that, but that, that is happen, great. Has that happened to you yet?
1: No, not yet. Um, I guess, yeah, I don't know. Maybe it happens at book two. Not really sure. <laughs> <laughs>
0: um, I, I wait. <laughs> oh, four? my god. Book four? Does uh, it happen no. later? <laughs> no. So, yeah. I, before we get... That's a really interesting thing to come back to. I just want to kind of, like, go back to your sort of, like, moving into... Can you... Were there any, in this kind of time when you had kind of mentor figures and you were kind of like getting involved in storytelling either through drama or through literature, were there any books at the time or stories that like really like, like can you think of any that like really made you go oh this is this is it or like one mm. that like really captured your imagination or...
1: yeah loads like definitely like um everything that Neil Gaiman ever wrote like definitely was a huge huge thing it's all sort of just like the ordinary like nothing too dramatic like I also love Terry Pratchett obviously um and like Philip Pullman yeah just so, all so you've, you've just up.
0: named three I'm going to immediately claim them for f- the fantasy camp because that's what I try and grandfather every author into into (laughs) fantasy because I'm absolutely about factionalism so what do you think it was about those about those stories that was that you connected with
1: um, I think, I don't know, I like the idea of fiction's like ability to take us into other worlds maybe And it's just quite literal um, It's like a literal step into another world Like I think n- now I read much more more sort of realist literary fiction But I think um, it's just like, I don't know, it still feels like that to me Like being able to step into another person's shoes and to live life, um, you know, like in just from another perspective um, That still feels like some, yeah, it's all kind of fantasy writing in a way Because um, that's just like an amazing kind of like twist of realism like like that's mad that we can do that with fiction um but yeah I think I think I just kind of like it's kind of the literalness I also just love the aesthetics like I don't know like as a sort of teenage goth it's kind of great to have like a whole world of yeah like Neil Gaiman like the Sandman stuff and all of that it's just kind of yeah it's just really captivating um
0: yeah I don't I don't know is that I when sometimes people you know I the thing that I found hardest to uh articulate when i'm talking to people about writing mm. is this idea of that you just touched on there you said talk about aesthetic this idea of tone like mm. where you get something a story almost a world almost has like a voice yeah and i was wondering um if the, i was just wondering if that's something you th- is that something you ever think about as a writer Right, because I'm Mm -hmm. thinking, especially with like a short story collection, which is what you've kind of opened with, like that often is quite like a, you know, it's lots of it's like lots of different worlds, and I wonder whether you think about like whether you feel like you have like have a a voice or. I I,
1: I I try yeah um i think definitely like with each book i sort of try and think of like a sort of tonal like aesthetic world that it like that the, the book will live in so for skate roots i think just unconsciously i spent a lot of just years just kind of gathering bit different bits and pieces kind of magpie like just different like even if it's just kind of like i don't know like like images in glossy magazines from a fashion shoot or just like like graphic novels or like ballet or like different pieces of literature or television or just like things that will just kind of seem like they they have something of the world that i wanted to convey i think you know it didn't quite it never does like turn out the way that you want exactly because um, <laughs> i kind of wanted a, a very kind of unified aesthetic and just because i was learning and sort of studying while writing the stories like new things kind of popped up and, and sort of what i was thinking about changed so um yeah it isn't as cohesive as i sort of imagine but it yeah i think that's sort of more true to life maybe um
0: can yeah. you talk about that because that's really really interesting about collecting images and almost kind of scrap scrapbooking sorry yeah May, immediately make i love it kind scrapbooking. of sound more like hobbyist <laughs> than because <But laughs> no, i know that like, i know some writers like think purely in terms yeah. of what if you know they would like go What? here's a they think of a cool way to do like a bank heist and, and yeah. then they work out a plot and that's how they conceive of story mm. but it sounds like you're starting almost with like these like moments of image or like these kind of like freeze frames and mm. then building a story around them and I wondered if you could talk about that because I know yeah. to some writers that is a completely alien way of working and think it's really interesting
1: mm, i think that's how i would because i used to want to write for theater um and then just the idea of um putting on a play and just getting everyone and together and funding and rehearsal space which is kind of like oh my god i'm never going to be able to do this so at least it's all finished if it's in a book you can sort of get a finished product and look at it even if no one wants to publish it you can be like well it's done um but i think with theater you often i don't know when i was writing like terrible plays as a teenager i'd always start with like an image a really strong because you're sort of it's almost like a piece of art like you can be very like rep- representational I I don't know like it doesn't have to be literal um things can sort of work symbolically or just imagining how the space would look um because you have to be able to tell like a whole story and a whole world through just arranging things in this very small space um and just sort of thinking of because it is a very very visual art form as well so you think about how to convey moods and atmospheres and story in sort of that way as well so I think I think that is how I I sort of start writing I was I was um I was sort of reading like a Catherine Rundle, you know, she's a kids writer. I was sort of reading an interview with her the other day, and she was talking about how Rooftoppers, the amazing children's book, started with just an image of a boy standing on a on a like a tightrope above a city, feeding the birds, um, and then that was the first thing that came to her, and then she sort of built the whole thing out of that. So I think that's kind of amazing. Um, <sighs> it's like yeah. she
0: had like a vision, and then had to sort of build a world for it to live in. Yeah. Do, can I? like theater is mm. i feel about as confident talking about theater as i do about say uh, football but um, i guess think to say from not, your face not, that that's not, not very not very okay. and but I, mm. I i also don't want to ignore it because it's obviously something that's like important in your development and i was wondering if you could talk to me a bit about like what how theatre and your interest in theatre and some plays, maybe that you've enjoyed, or some playwrights that you've enjoyed, that maybe it sort of fed into some of your yeah development.
1: Um, in terms of theatre, I just think I had a, a, like an amazing drama teacher whilst like, I was like in sick form, and we did this, we did like a version of Hamlet. Um, that it was like it was like hamlet but it was an hour long and we used like the bad quarto you know like the the quarto that isn't the one that's usually used so it was sort of all a bit different uh and it was completely sort of his idea really but we sort of devised it together he put in like tom wait's music and his wife was like a um like a makeup artist and then like a children's writer. So she's really creative. So she did all this like weird German expressionist makeup for us. and Yeah, so it's like this. We were in this kind of like weird gothic and there was a, there was a guy who was kind of like the, the sort of ringmaster guy. He was like the, the ghost, like the ghost of Hamlet's father. And he would like play the piano and sing all the Tom Waits songs. And yeah, it was amazing. So we spent like a whole like two years just kind of doing this like um, and we call it Hamlet House of Horror. So I think it just kind of like filtered in as a kind of that was definitely like a How, could you, how could you not
0: like mm. learn to kind of love it a little bit after yeah. like living in some mm. some amazing drama teacher's sort of slightly insane fever dream? Yeah. Like, wow. No,
1: it was amazing. It was an absolutely amazing thing. Um, now I think when I'm explaining it to someone, I'm like, God, that was incredible that we did that. Like, yeah. Yeah. What was that? But yeah, it was it, that was that was obviously like a huge thing cause when you're inside a, a kind of play and and it, that was again. We were rehearsing it, and it didn't really work. We were like, "This is really strange. Like, what even? What even is this?" And we've got to put it on in like a couple of weeks, and. It was a disaster. And then um, uh, D, his wife, came in and did the makeup. And we were like, oh, I see. And then this whole sort of weird kind of gothic kind of like exaggerated kind of like, you know, like a sides kind of German expressionist kind of everything being quite exaggerated. Like the aesthetic kind of led the the atmosphere. And then the whole kind of Tom Waits cabaret kind of thing actually started to make sense. So I think, yeah, the kind of aesthetics thing. But other
0: plays. Um, do you know like the writer
1: uh, Philip Ridley?
0: Um, No, I, I think there's almost... Yeah. I think like... I like hamlet i might be like tapping out that early in terms of my knowledge <laughs> but you, should, you
1: should check out philip ridley like from what i know of your work you probably like him i haven't talked about yeah it's philip ridley he's a kind of like i don't know he's like an he, he's sort of east london kind of writer but um i think he was sort of he still writes plays now but he was sort of like, loads of amazing plays coming out in the 90s he writes kids books as well and poems um and they're all kind of like that kind of ordinary extraordinary stuff like they'll just be like Um, like I went and and heard him being interviewed after a show, you know, they do like a Q and A and he was telling some story about being in this like vast, like growing up as being a baby in a vast tower block and then like crawling outside of the window and like along the windowsill to get to the next. And I was like, I don't know, I don't know if it's true. Like he's this kind of raconteur kind of type. Like he just talks so much and comes up, like there's all these, yeah, this amazing striking kind of like gritty urban fairy tale kind of things that just sort of come out of his, his imagination imagination and sort of when he's talking you're like oh that sort of makes sense but yeah um he's amazing like like um yeah like really dark stuff as well there's a few plays that are just like but yeah kind of quite pinteresque, but with a kind of twist of kind of magical magical stuff
0: i think like theater i've always struggled with just as someone who's historically been very anxious i just go in there and start like hyper in a way that is not I don't think what the actors want hyper empathizing with them as people who've had to learn lots of lines like looking around the audience just like 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 willing them with my mind like I'm their mum basically to have a good time and I hope I'm really hoping you have a nice time person yeah and I just (laughs) I I just find that that sort of destroys the Mm. like experience for me so like I it's not that I've got anything against theatre as a, a medium, except that the whole thing for me makes yeah. me feel like I'm strapped to the nose cone of the rocket. People talk about the thrill mm. of live theatre. I'm yeah. like, it feels like everything's made out of fine china, and I'm keeping. But all you those do plates. like
1: stand-up poetry, don't you? You you that's, that's but similar. Then in, but then I'm
0: <laughs> but then I'm in control, and yeah. actually that's why I'm empathising with them in a way that um, because I'm yeah. in control. Then right? If yeah. I so I'm like. I'm happy if I get to stand on stage and look at everyone yeah. and be like, right, lock the doors. Like I want all the sight lines. If someone is like, and then, and then that hyper, that hyper anxiety, that hyper sort of vigilance. Yeah. I can immediately be applying it to every face in a black box theater. I can see you, you're losing, All right, I can see you're losing interest. I'm going wow. like to zero in on you. And, and that is, yeah. I, I spoke, I spoke, this is something I've spoken to with a neuroscientist actually I was like do you think my doing doing performance has made me more anxious because it's like I've learned to have trained myself to scan crowds He's mm. like well it might be that you got into theatre because it's the only place where you're allowed to exert control on a crowd
1: yeah that could be so yeah I, I want to mm.
0: just ask about like um So then you kind of like go into like writing prose where you control all the actors, right? Mm. You get to, uh, to and then it's kind of like in in many ways, it kind of like zeroes it down. But in other ways, you can't do that big tableau of like, you can't just, people can't, you can't just curtain up and people see a big shot at the beginning or equivalent of on stage. And I'm wondering how you've, I've know, you know, I've read, read your work, but I've wondered if you could reflect on how you, Handle having to feed people the story one word at a time, serially, instead of in Mm. these big.
1: I think voice, like that's my solution. It's just to have like a really like over the top voice. Um, Like you know when you like I don't know you fall into this, uh, you sort of uh, well you probably don't have them. When you're so I've sort of developed this awful habit of just kind of reading bad reviews on Goodreads, which is just like I need to stop doing that. But like there was someone complaining about like of your work. Yeah, it's like it's a terrible habit. It's I've only I've only been out a week and I've discovered a new way to torture myself. (laughs) 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 uh, There you go. It's a fun fun world. Um, But yes. um uh yeah and someone was complaining about sort of syntax or something saying that my sentence is really tortured or something and I was like oh I think I know the story they're talking about there was one story I just didn't allow myself any commas I was like just because I was just kind of like the character it's called accelerate and the main character has, has drinking a lot of coffee and just getting faster and faster and faster it's sort of just like it's it's sort of an experiment it's a bit silly just kind of taking the the pace of London life to its logical conclusion but um, yeah I think I think with with the convoluted sentences and just weird things like that I just yeah my my solution to not being able to have like a a big aesthetic kind of statement at the beginning or just to like fully establish the world I I think I'd probably try and do it through through voice and just have something quite hopefully I'm learning to tone it down these days but I think it was just kind of like yeah you sort of start with like a very exaggerated kind of all like a quite a distinctive voice um yeah maybe i don't can know can we can we
0: mm. i'd really like to ask you about that because you said hopefully i'm learning to turn tone it down mm. so that makes it sound like you feel that was in in cases you you've gone to excess and i one i just wonder like maybe we could talk about like how you come on a on a on a voice how did how did how do you kind of settle? on a voice is it for you is it like an act of ventriloquism is it a slow kind of like uh, incremental accrual like mm. oh does it go differently for different ones i know you sort of said you start with these kind of like moments of like images or scraps mm. how does a scrap become a voice that's speaking
1: yeah well like a kind of like as a kind of just like more stark example i'd say like there's a kind of like trio of stories in the collection called like the rat catcher um and i think that sort of came out of an aesthetic like because it's the kind of rat catcher in the king kind of voices it's very kind of like gothic fairy tale was my kind of attempt uh and i think i think the rat catcher has slightly kind of like kind of Cobb victorian kind of dickensian kind of thing going on and the king has got a kind of I don't know kind of just like oh, I don't know kind of upper class fop kind of kind of tone like kind of slightly like highly strong hysterical and I think they just kind of got drawn out of the aesthetic like so you start to hear the voices of these quite um almost sort of cartoonish kind of exaggerated kind of not archetypes but like kind of a rat catcher and a king they're quite I don't I don't really know I don't name them I don't think so yeah it's like ages ago I wrote this book <laughs> but yeah I think that came out of the the kind of gothic fairy tale scraps and you start to hear the voices otherwise i think yeah um i love david mitchell's work i don't know if, if, you've, if yeah. you have know it, but like um yeah the way that like say with cloud atlas or the bone clocks it is like ventriloquism like he he manages to i think he of, said that
0: he right he gets character he gets characters to he writes letters to characters and gets them to write back to him or that's
1: like, brilliant i think i've heard that before actually yeah yeah that's a great idea so
0: he said that's mm. how he kind of starts to zero mm. in on the the voice a little bit okay i wondered if you also the sorry i'm kind of like asking quite kind of like nerdy technical questions rather than talking oh, about character but like I yeah. zero in on it a little bit but there's you know there's places also where you're kind of like oh, what's the difference when you're you writing in in the third person because there's a few there's stories where mm. you're you're definitely inhabiting a voice mm. but it's not the character speaking you're using close third limited what's the difference um for you um and how do you sort of make a a decision between like letting a character quote unquote tell their own story Mm. and letting them Kind of infect yeah. a story. That's you know a I mean?
1: really good question. Yeah, I think when I was saying I'm toning it down, I think there's only one close third story in Escape Route, so it's the first one, and I think it's the best story. I think you know, obviously, front load like put your best story first. <laughs> um, <laughs> so like, and that is close third, and I think I managed to create characters and maybe like emotional states for them that felt a bit realer than with some of the other ones because i was doing i was doing the voices kind of too like almost like i was acting like you know kind of it was all quite baroque and quite extreme and i was like oh there's this character that can't settle on what the point is and his you know like given the most tor- tortured sentences because he can't figure out what's wrong with him and he's going sort of round and round in ever smaller circles and i'd kind of get very tied up with the language and that's all very well and it it was quite fun for me to write and hopefully fun for people to read but isn't necessarily like they're all exaggerated. They're all kind of off real people um, because they're all quite extreme and their their voices. And I think I found recently with the thing I'm writing now close third, it's just very, very helpful um, because it's sort of, I've sort of settled into this thing well with this new project anyway, kind of like really enjoying like a kind of stream of consciousness-y close they're just yeah like letting the characters kind of way of thinking and emotions and and kind of the things they notice and and their sort of aesthetic world kind of bleed into the third person but the third person is just like a nice way of kind of keeping it slightly at bay and being able to keep the character at a distance in a way so you don't have to sort of pantomime them they can just sort of be
0: i suppose different characters it's tricky i suppose in that sometimes and i'm I, although I'm not putting a question mark on the end of this, imagine there is one. I'm making a statement mm. and inviting you to reflect on it. Um, sometimes characters are not people who maybe would be naturally inclined to tell their own story. Mm. And th- th- Close Third le- third Person Limited lets you kind of give them the mic without yeah. expecting them to be garrulous.
1: Yeah, exactly. You, yeah, you can and, have quieter characters, I suppose. Yeah, And sometimes you just mm.
0: want to say that there's like, some curtains in the room, and, um maybe if they were talking to someone they wouldn't mention them, and mm. you just need that third to occasionally have the moments of like distance, like,
1: yeah, and it's just useful, yeah, like if it's useful later to to say that there's curtains like or you you need to set the scene in some way, but your character wouldn't necessarily notice that yeah, it's just a way of breaking out of like their very narrow kind of what they would see and they would notice in the situation definitely,
0: do you mm. feel an uh, But I suppose what I'm kind of like, I just sense in what you're talking about that there's a slight, not embarrassment, and do correct me if I'm wrong, but like this feeling that you need to be more minimalist and kind of like doing these kind of bright, big stories um, is somehow you know it's somehow not not the proper work of literature and oh, I'm just no, really no, interested because in I, think it's I like... really love them that's why oh, I, yeah, I, no, I'm, I'm feeling glad, thank now you <laughs> managed to put me in a position where I feel like I have to I have to go to the mat for your work which is a very nice dynamic you just set oh, up no. in an interview where I'm going you leave your stories alone but I just like and, and also because mm. I write I suppose I write quite archetypal cartoonish stuff as well so mm. maybe actually that's well maybe it's
1: well, no, entirely yeah.
0: self-serving do you know what I mean but
1: yeah no I wouldn't say that that you you do in the way that I I think what it is is I I love kind of things that are very bright and big and and sort of character um led like that and I love characters that are quite archetypal like kind of a lot of the Terry Pratchett one. well they they have a bit more kind of depth as well but hopefully you know so so did um but yeah I think it's more just I wanted to make make the story like I don't know be able to write bigger stories or something I don't I don't know what it is um I think it's just some some, so I don't know it's probably when you just have a book out you start to think oh god I've done it all wrong but then it's also I think having having like I want my character I wanted to be able to create characters that felt um a bit realer and like they could just breathe a bit more and that we could just see a bit more of their lives and i think it's because i've been working over like a long longer form uh thing um so like writing a novel um sort of yeah some of the voices that i had in in the story collection you wouldn't be able to i don't think i'd be able to stand like most readers wouldn't be able to deal with over more than about 15 pages maximum and they are quite um they have one concern or one attribute that i've kind of amplified to an extreme extent and often they're kind of meant to be funny and they're just kind of yeah and i I kind of wanted to look at relationships i think between characters a bit more and the thing i'm working on now has has a relationship at its center and if you've got a character that's just very um extremely in their own voice and their own point of view and they you're sort of making a point with this kind of very colorful character it's kind of harder to envision them in in a kind of a real evolving kind of friendship or a kind of an actual that they're they're sort of their life paced over a novel and just so in a way as, as a way of writing a bigger story i kind of liked the idea of of making the characters not toning them down a bit but just kind of being able to find a bit more light and shade maybe and just kind of broadening out the point of view rather than it all being about kind of voice and just putting on colorful hats but i love all that too um a lot of that's you know that kind of again theater there's kind of Brechtian theater where you sort of put on the costume and you become the character instantly and it's sort of yeah i kind of i, I really enjoy that as well i don't know i'm gonna go through moods with it definitely i'm not just like no it's all like has to be subtle the unsaid like literature like no definitely not i
0: suppose like, like i've caught you at a a, a kind of like an unusual time in your writing career because you are yeah. like really in the teeth of probably the in, in many ways the most boring part of the writer's life, which is the public reception of one's work. And I only say that because, like, it I don't mean to be, I, I just mean because it's like the it's the it's, it's the biggest sort of bum ache of the whole bit is like having that deal. I know, of course, we want people to read our stuff, but in a way it's it, it's the grubbiest bit of it you know like what's the public we're, we're reading reviews of our own work we're going gosh does this person like me where strangers are reading my work i just wondered how that's how that's been for you because i speak to lots of um speak to lots of authors and um they've had lots of different experiences of that of that mm. of, of, of 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 their work being out there yeah and i wondered how you're feeling about it now
1: oh it's it's strange yeah like you say it's kind of it is like feels like not the yeah the kind of the grubby it's the bit where you're sort of yeah just kind of <laughs> searching reviews for approval um yeah it's just strange because it's very exposing um i don't know did you find something similar when you when you first published the honors or i
0: mean it's 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 tr- it's, it's it's tricky i think because I had a background in like doing performance, the really good thing about doing performance is like I've been on stage and I've had people walk out. I've had um, someone release three dogs onto the stage. I've had someone climb onto stage and hold like a Stanley knife to my neck. I've had like people try to get into fights with me. Do you know what I mean? I've had, but I've also had people react positively. Mm. Obviously I'm not that kind of, (laughs) you know, obviously most of the experience have been positive, but what you do get is very quick feedback. And you can refine stuff, and I, I, you know, I think like the equivalent of a short story collection is like a set, where instead of having like the dialectic of long form fiction, where characters can have conversations with themselves and an arc, you 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 create little moments, uni, yeah. univocal moments that mm. are in conversation with each other, like yeah, the, it's like an the, album, yeah, yeah, exactly, and like the author Steve Aylitt talks really interestingly about. I really really like it actually when he's talking about how he likes. Um, uh what what am i oh what's the book i i'm i I'm, I'm thinking of um the master and Margarita mm. and how he says like these very two very different stories um suggest a third that 's mm. neither place. Um, between them that is deeply weird and he talks about how Thelonious Monk kind of like frustrated that he couldn't create the microtones that he heard in Indian music would like tap two keys either side of a note to suggest the one in between and what's interesting to me in your short story collection um, and this might just be my own take on it but like is the deeply weird moments where we move from one story to another and because you go between different worlds they suggest stories in between them, and oh, like for cool. me, that's like yeah, that's the wonderful thing about uh, having different shades in a short mm. story collection is that dialectic exists between the stories. Yeah. Inevitably, are in conversation. Yeah, with each definitely,
1: other. definitely. I love that. Have you read um Jeff Noon?
0: Yes. Yeah. Oh gosh. Yeah. He yeah. He does
1: that like massively. I remember reading some like article that he wrote in the Guardian, like a zillion years ago, and he was talking about like metamorphic fiction
0: or something and just like the idea that- Where he, they yeah. have stories that are mm. answering the kind of end of one mm. thing and moving on to the, yeah. Yeah, and
1: I think he was talking about, I may have just made this up, I think he was talking about like, you know, like um, like kind of DJ sets and like remixing stuff and just having like, like motifs that kind of keep kind of moving and, and sort of like um, like surfacing and going back down in the mix. And it's all that you have to sort of think of the short story collection. It's just kind of one unified kind of piece in that way um, with different, yeah, different kind of things repeating and, and sort of gaining new significance in new contexts um uh, i think that's what he was talking about i'm probably completely like maligning it. i read this like 15 years ago or something.
0: i, I want to ask something about your short stories because mm. and then and then i if it's all right i will ask a bit about i it's fine to ignore specifics about the novel you're working on if you don't want to talk about it but i'd like to mm. just ask you a couple of questions about the process if that's all yeah, right yeah
1: process that's um, fine <laughs> um,
0: so in your in your short stories you said that like some of them like didn't come out maybe in exactly the way that you'd initially conceived mm. and I wondered if in some of those moments of mistranslation have there any been any things that when you look back at the work like have either surprised you or like messages or motifs in your work that you weren't conscious of that kind of rise up mm. when you see them in some or any, I, I'm I'm just interested because sometimes these like things that this noonian kind of idea of kind of like uh thing of of, of, of motifs coming th- out in the mix um can be unconscious and then kind of like come up and you're yeah, like, oh, yeah definitely you think it's about this when someone else reads it oh is it oh okay i guess i get your point you know yeah
1: i guess so um i think the kind of i don't know i think with the, with the mistranslation thing it's, it's just kind of trying to imagine someone reading it and I think it's more of an aesthetic thing like I can imagine like the the, the huge kind of colorful worlds that I had in my head while I was writing them but I'm like oh actually I probably like the reader probably doesn't quite get them like you know because I like it's so it's quite hard for me to imagine what it's like but you sort of think oh it's it's probably not sketched in as uh, sort of expertly as I'd like um But yeah, I think with the rats, I had literally no idea why I was writing about rats all the time. I think I just read, you know, the China Mayville book, King Rat. And I was like, just kind of loved the kind of subverted fairy tale. And because he's a Londoner, I kind of loved the idea of... Because, like, you just see rats all the time in London. it was like this really hot summer where there was just... It was like in a heat wave, and the rats just became super brazen. I was just like going for a run in the park, and they'd just be like frolicking around. I'd yeah. just be like, this is ridiculous. Like, what's going on in this city? Um, but yeah, I think, and I just kind of, I just really kind of like, you know, the nutcracker and stuff like that. It was They were part of my like scraps of. Thing, um stuff that I was collecting and I had I literally didn't really know and then I was sort of worried the motif kind of got out of hand or I sort of lost control of it because there's I don't know there's yeah because the the rat catches sort of killing them and I'm like but no but I quite like them and then they sort of became a kind of like the characters I don't know so I, I think I wanted those stories to be sort of about loneliness in sort of like urban environments or in sort of environments where there's there's not very much love or community um and I think they sort of became sort of emblem of that. But like, I don't know how well that translated. I I, I don't know. Like, I was sort of thinking about it the other day. I was like, there's just all these sort of rats running around. And I think you know that that's part of this the urban sort of Londonness of of it. I think. But um, yeah, I, I think I yeah with motifs, I think you can sort of like, it's yeah it's quite easy to sort of like just write something because it's just visually in your head and then just be like or just literally around you, and then be like, oh, I've sort of lost control over it, really. Like, is, is it a metaphor, or is it just kind of there? Like, I don't know. I think that's the most... I think that
0: is the sign of a story that's alive, though. That moment... I know it sounds terribly precious when, write, when you know, writers to it say, oh, like, the characters took control of the story. Is the kind of cliche, isn't it? Yeah. But to me, that can only happen. These moments of kind mm. of, like, slight, lack of control that can feel sometimes Mm. to me like i should know what every part of my story means Mm. at any point you know in case someone comes and says what did you mean by this and i Mm. i I get exposed heaven forbid as being pretentious but um to me that's quite exciting that there that there might be points in your story that have a have a sort of like slightly mischievous or sort of polymorphic quality to them Mm. you know that you might go I just feel compelled to have this or I like it and that's enough. Like, I think rats are kind of cool. Yeah. Is that
1: yeah well that's very refreshing yeah. to you again yeah. reading all my awful good re- re- reviews and you're like I don't know someone talks about like studiedly weird or something and I'm like oh god it's because I didn't know what the rats were about like they were just <laughs> there and I'm like I you can't you know I know you can't please everyone but it's like a sort of chronic people pleaser I think post post-release you're like oh god like if you can't account for every single aspect of it you sort of feel like you can't justify it and it's, sometimes there is just a space for just like it just happened it was imaginative it was just yeah like literally just creative like well, um, China
0: Mieville has got that bit where he talks about like how in magical realism mm. like the dragon might be like a metaphor for war but in fantasy it can be a metaphor for war but it's also like a mass it's also a dragon yeah like and that I haven't heard that cool that's <laughs> great though like
1: I love that because yes I think I think that is a I think that's a slight collision as well of like I don't know when you try and mix genres because I'm not like fully in fantasy or not so sometimes I just have things in because they're cool and then people are like what does this stand for but I think that's a problem in in general sort of people always kind of decoding stuff and saying this means this and this because I think we're taught to read a lot like that sort of GCSE kind of you know English literature kind of thing and and sometimes things are a bit more nebulous and a bit more like they can't give such a clear account of themselves and if, if everything just stands in for something else then why wouldn't you just say it like more simply like why have all this kind of like aesthetic framework to just say this quite simple thing and and that can be quite kind of frustrating that you sort of feel like you can be like rumbled as a writer by by not having a clear like message underneath your you know not writing entirely in in sort of very um sort of decodable kind of metaphorical like i don't know and nothing not everything is allegorical sometimes it is just a dragon like i
0: i I, I think i mean like my I mean, I'm guilty of it as uh, anyone. You know, like when I'm talking to you, my my temptation is to like ask you, "What genre do you think you're writing in?" And I want to stress, like, I mean, I am going to ask you that, and you can give me. But I would do want to stress, I'm not being the the genre police. I well, have in the you past. Sort of sit had... Between
1: genres, I would say,
0: like, I would say that there's definitely some people who've read my work who. Have howls of anger when they get to a certain point and um because they feel like they've been cheated. Oh, like really? I made one genre promise to them. In fact, it's interesting to me how when we have like ideas of like normative lenses. Like for me, yeah. genre is a pair of spectacles that the reader puts on, not the writer. Yeah. Like it's a way of department. decoding mm. the the work. Mm. Um and I know that when readers come to my work with a kind of realist spectacles. It's amazing how much, how many monsters they can like literally not see, even mm. when I explicitly describe them. Wow! Yeah. And, and then when I talk to them and I go, "Well, what did you think was going on there?" Mm. They'll say, I, "I I thought we were supposed to understand that this character is psychotic or this," and and, and yeah. they have these great ways of what I believe it was Goffman in his book Asylums talked about like symbolic recapture, but the way that they preserve. Ooh. Reality yeah. by making these kind of repairs on the work that you're writing to make it conform yeah. to their expectations.
1: That's so interesting. It's like, you know, like, yeah, Doctor Who, or whatever. There's always that sort of trope of there's a giant alien over London, but then no one remembers it because yeah. they don't want to see it. Yeah, um, But yeah, no, that is... Because, yeah, there's been a few... I think I was reading it, yeah, a Terrible Good review. It's like talking about the... Um, like one of the characters like my bear character in the story called bear um was talking about like him being on the autistic spectrum and i was like well whether he is or he isn't like I, that isn't how i wrote it and that's not what that story is about like it, it's it's not about that like it's about sort of taking this one kind of at least the emotional anxiety and the inability to sort of uh, sort of connect like deal with being married essentially and living closely with another person and taking it exaggerating it to the extreme and it wasn't yeah it's kind of explaining a a sort of creative um, world away with a kind of just a yeah so it's kind of it's less extreme than probably what what you've had with with your work but you're sort of like oh that isn't uh, yeah I don't know it's it's I I intended it to be a bit like weirder than just kind of describing a a sort of I don't know like a Psychological, or like I don't know, I don't know. Yeah. I mean, do
0: I? I I know you kind of you have kind of answered this, but I feel it'd be remiss of me not to ask. Do you have a sense of what genre you're writing in, or do you have a sense of, um, like your? Do you see your work belonging in a particular kind of zone of genre, or?
1: no not really like I would love that like I would really love that <laughs> um, I'm always like I go into loads of different things and I'm like oh I want to be like literary realism or I want to be like I don't know like I was in Forbidden Planet the other day and I was like yes these are my people and I always kind of want to belong in something but um yeah it hasn't I uh, know I don't really know I'm quite glad that uh, that my publisher sort of they seem to have just pitched it a sort of fairy tale I guess um and that sort of is is kind of close to it and it's nice to see kind of speculative fiction people kind of picking it up as well but no I I have no idea I think I think genre does get sort of put on afterwards as you as you say by readers and by and by publishers um but no um yeah uh I would you know I'd really I'd really love (laughs) I'd really love a kind of more simple yeah I don't know what what would you think did you start like writing do do you feel like you know where you feel
0: I I think I mean like I would I feel... It's tricky. It's really tricky question because I feel like for ages to being a stand-up poet, it's a bit like being a kind of frogman surgeon or something. Like the two things don't really go together, right? They just don't feel like they fit. And yeah. you imagine you know so the world of stand-up thinks that you're pretentious because you're a poet or this is how you imagine in your head in your worst moments at 3am yeah uh, when you're imagining the entire world as a series of sort of like invisible adversaries you imagine that the stand-up world thinks you're pretentious and sort of weirdly artsy and you imagine the poetry world sees you as this kind of cheat basically who's just like doing fart jokes rather than the real work of kind of like complex interlayered um making words work harder than they usually do and and you can very easily kind of put yourself in the kind of dmz of um being into genre and um imagine it as something hugely uh virtuous and noble and kind of self mythologize yourself as kind of like a brave person speaking truth to power and the danger when i kind of like get into it with lit- my literary fiction my fantasy is that i um I sort of like start saying a plague on both your houses, or or like talking about how being into genre is somehow more virtuous, and it's just actually the way that ideas fall out of my head, and I'm Mm. trying to trying to I'm just trying to let go of the idea that family would I'd have a sense of belonging again that feeling of like Mm. being hit on the head with a magic wand of legitimacy if only I was writing something dead center Mm. in this established genre that just felt very. Because I think you just imagine that that you just sort of place that feeling of self-acceptance. Just as long as it's not... Because you know you're not feeling it, so you imagine maybe it would be if I was writing Yeah, absolutely,
1: yeah. And you think, oh, if I I fitted into that family of writers or into that aesthetic or to that, that, yeah, like that kind of gang. Um, But yeah, it probably doesn't happen My experience is that the the very mm -hmm. kind of like
0: writers of traditional sword and sorcery fantasy, when I talk to them, feel like everyone's cocking cocking a snook at them for not being yeah. modern enough people writing uh, grim dark feel that uh people are saying grimdark's in the past and also it's you actually are you just copying george rr R. martin that's the only reason you're writing it so mm. i just think they get just it gets more and more granular right yeah and
1: there's yeah yeah exactly like there's just factions within factions and everyone's just like in a different movement or genre really and that's just everyone's doing their own thing really yeah yeah, yeah. it's kind of like
0: mm. you like getting down into kind of like a presbyterianism versus kind of like pentecostalism versus like catholicism and you wow. can just yeah. find like these kind mm. of like Increasingly granular kind of things, and Mm. if you're trying to find your home, I I think you'll always be one step estranged from it because the closer you get there, the bigger the mountain becomes. Yeah, definitely. It
1: doesn't. It doesn't happen that way either. You can't get any. I can't write anything of like any good ideas, which I actually think are like interesting to me and worthwhile if I'm trying to be like somebody else, really, because you're just sort of yeah, you're copying. Um, Yeah, and the point of writing, I think, is you know, it's it's for an audience. It's also just to be interested in a project for that amount of time and that amount of effort, I think it has to be like you're working something out about kind of an idea or a voice or a thought or your sense of identity and it has it has to feel true to you as a writer I think rather than yeah just being like oh I'd love to be like a I had a thought at one point I was like, I'd love to be a YA writer I don't really read YA but I was like they seem to be having such a great time <laughs> like they all seem so friendly like yeah I'd love to be in their gang and then you just I can't do it like it's, it's crap because I'm just like imagining myself as a YA writer and what I would write and obviously that's going to be much lesser than like a real human Um, writing as a human
0: Uh, can you how when was the point where you realized that the thing that is now becoming a novel that you're writing was going to be like novel sized
1: Mm. um oh i don't know i think I I kind of definitely aimed to write a novel just to be kind of practical about it. I was like, well, everyone, you know, they say all short stories are all very well, but everyone wants a novel, like, you know, um, publishers and all that. And I think I've I've sort of recently, I've just sort of realized that there is a world of being a writer beyond just getting published by a mainstream publishing house and being like my book is in the shop um, but like for like a good number of years that was just like my goal um so yeah I think I was I sort of just set out with that idea um I wanted to and I just ambition wise I was like I want to see if I can do it um but the specific project I don't know it just sort of I was just writing because I just finished the other book and I, I wasn't really sure what I was doing so I just kind of wrote like timed in the mornings, like I, my friend who writes, he calls them like the writing sprints. He does like half an hour, but I do hours. And I was just set a timer on my phone, put my phone on the other side of the room and just like, just write like that scene, that thing, just write like, the, just be fully in the moment of writing for the, in the, you know, the hour or the half hour. And I just find it easier to sort of commit rather than being like, oh, we've got the whole morning. It's kind of like, a it's a sprint, you know, that you don't have to do it forever. So you can do it much more intensively until the alarm goes off. Um, so yeah i was just doing that like every day for a couple of months i think no about a month
0: and then i just had all these words and then i were they were they so were they all had you planned something beforehand or were you doing like full kind of like mind spew morning pages or Mm. like did you have characters in mind did you know where you were going with it or
1: i've never really done morning pages i think i had this weird conversation with um like an agent who I didn't end up, like we, we didn't end up doing anything. It was just one of those like coffees that's just kind of like, it was before I got my agent and everything. And he was just very blunt and was just like it was about the first story of my collection. He was basically saying I needed a novel. And he was like, Well, you've done thirty-seven pages of this. Why don't you just do a book of it? And I was like, Well, it doesn't work like that. I remember getting very frustrated. I but then go, I was- Why don't like, you
0: fucking do it? How dare you? Like, it's or, hard. like for the same for the same reason that you haven't written a novel. That's why you're Because it's because it's because it's tough.
1: But then I kind of thought about it and was like, Maybe I just should. Like, you know, like, why not? I have done thirty-seven pages. So like like I'll just try and do this but for a book um i maybe and just that, maybe
0: that flippant rando has a point <laughs>
1: like I think so I think I don't know I was making a bit of a fuss about it I think and then it was just a bit like I don't know and it's because it was like the, the it was like the first story of my collection wizards it was that kind of voice of this close third and kind of these kind of young characters well yeah quite young characters and quite a kind of like I don't know yeah just the setting I don't know something about that I was just like let's just see if I can try and do it for a book and yeah I sort of I guess I have uh yeah wow that's like really that's that
0: yeah like I don't know why I'm I don't know actually I don't know why I'm saying wow as if I mean I suppose I can backtrack and say I'm saying wow because it's impressive to write a book but I suppose in in my in my head one doesn't write a book going I wonder if I can write a book but why shouldn't why shouldn't that be it's no no less silly than any other reason that we do it and so yeah. uh, can well, I-, and
1: I think I had a whole bunch of like ideas and themes and characters and just kind of I, I had a, like a subject I very much wanted to address like I, I it definitely didn't just come from me being like I want to write a book but I'd always sort of thought oh I can't I can't do it um like it's just too big like I couldn't control a narrative over that number of pages I couldn't sustain it like just you know it's school when you have to write like a 2,000 word essay it seems like enormous like the idea of doing something for like 80,000 or god forbid 100,000 words it was just like oh my god I can't do this and just the idea of someone being like well why not just have a go? Like, you've done it for 37 pages. You could probably just... And I was like, well, actually, yeah, it just happens slowly over time. Like, you know, if you can do 37 pages, you can probably do more. Um, so it was just, like, a bit of a talking to you. But, like, I had... It it wasn't just, like, I wanted to write... Like, I, I had, like, the theme and the ideas. I just had been, like, dancing around it for a very long time, being like, oh, I can't do it. It's too hard. And, I and,
0: and how have you found that now in the sense of... I guess what, what I'm... Is that you have space for kind of arcs but you also have a space for characters to change which when we're kind of used to doing short stories where we're really actually trying to sort of nail a character as coming off like the Holy Grail is like them being consistent like they feel like they're the same Mm. person now you have to have something where a character is experiencing growth or change or 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 at the very least refusal to change if they're kind of like sometimes we have kind of those comic uh, those comic characters Mm. who fail to change and we yeah. would want them to change please be different and they don't yeah but um how how have you found that because i guess you're having to go on a, if this doesn't sound too you're going on a journey with some like characters now how has it been yeah for you?
1: um it's yeah i think i i've been sort of looking at it's the main story about a friendship and i think i've kind of got around that by sort of thinking about how the friendship changes so the characters kind of that's almost just like a fallout they end up changing anyway because you're you're more thinking about the relationship between the two characters rather than like each of them individually and I, I think that's in general quite a helpful helpful way I don't know I don't know if you find this um it's sort of easier than thinking of characters sort of in a in a vacuum it's sort of truer I think as well so change is always dependent on sort of circumstances and other people but I kind of really like you know like conversations with friends the Sally Rooney book not conversations with friends that is her book but the other one I'm talking about is the normal. Newer one, normal people yeah and that is just a relationship between these two people and that's like uh, like I don't know. They're a couple, and they're not, and I don't know. And it just keeps going. But I, I think you can still use the same. I don't. I just. I just liked that format of just there's two people, and they affect sort of change on each other's lives. And it's you look, primarily look at that relationship between two characters, and that's the substance of the novel. And everything else sort of comes out of that. So it's bigger than that, but it is. It has that at its kind of core. I kind of thought that was a nice way of doing. Yeah,
0: it. but also that's kind of. That's kind of. I think that's kind of huge, I and mean, it's kind of the the meat of what any good novel has to be about is is, is relationships between. Hum- I mean, I, I, I'm, mm. I'm tempted to say, and I'm saying this as someone who doesn't really know theater, but it strikes me as a very kind of dra- dramaturgy mm. way of thinking yeah. about character d- dynamics, characters mm. on stage in, in in kind of like dynamic relationship with yeah, each yeah. other, and how st- the status dynamic between two characters yeah. might shift or something. Yeah, like that, that is,
1: yeah yeah it's the characters affecting change on each other and sort of the reader or the audience witnessing the moment of change and that being like the, the startling amazing thing that you sort of see happening in front of you that's kind of what I aim to create oh um, and I
0: do actually mm. feel that that's something that comes out even in the kind of like short st- even in the short space of the stories you have in your collection as well we're often present for like quite a it feels like even if it's not a moment of change then a moment of like revelation or something Mm. that we didn't realize and i i found that quite i found that quite i found that quite in a a good way wrenching in a a lot of the stories there's moments of like something coming to a head or something being revealed or something being um made manifest Mm. and then i was talking about it in sort of I'm in deliberately vague terms because I don't want to spoil stories yeah. for people by going, I'm glad well, you, you know thought when the they worked
1: went. or like something happened in them. That's great. Yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah
0: I mean, but they, they're they often those moments mm. of kind of like quite shocking kind of something being revealed, something happening a character doing something they can't take back or
1: mm. yeah i think with the well with the first story i think that that kind of was something i i really realized yeah i think yeah definitely basically yeah i think just writing writing that that kind of moment is is kind of like you you, you don't want it as a reader because you're like oh it's sort of painful to read this i don't know about my own stories but you know with other other people's work um but then it is ultimately what you what you do want as well because it's sort of the narrative meat
0: how far are you with the novel at the moment
1: sort of doing edits um but i'm in the stage where i'm like it's terrible like how are you dealing cancel with the contract it's dreadful <laughs>
0: how how are you dealing with the um the mushy middle which is always the like the toughest bit of the novel i think for oh, i don't know actually maybe for, I like, think like, the last third
1: fixed. last third is hardest i don't know do you find the middle bit
0: i think the sort of w- workshop environment is often really good for training us to make just like amazing set pieces, three thousand words to five thousand words, just like these great like a character goes and does and visits and does some glass blowing, and it, it it's a metaphor for their relationship or whatever. And I don't get me wrong, I'm I'm mocking it because it's stuff I love to read. Mm. Oh God, someone just does a scene and it's like. And they're, you know, they they climb a mountain and they go up and the weather starts to get worse and they're with their friend who they haven't seen since and then it's a bit about the relationship between them. I love that so much. It sounds good. It's hard to to thread. But then making something work in a novel and then I mm-hmm. read, you know, people who write detective fiction where the skeleton of the plot is out and I'm so jealous of them because they got that kind of like idea of w- how you plot a novel out. And I find if I'm writing something with my kind of lit fic hat on, then I get to that final third and I'm just like, i got the last page, I've got my final sentence down, mm. don't, don't I've got my final image but how i bring all this together i don't know like aporia maybe a character could just be in a room and have a kind of vague sense of something but bringing it to a head Mm. can seem really difficult without making it Seem cheesy or forced right yeah, without doing yeah. kind of great Gatsby and going well I'll just have a character run over another character yeah that exactly. seems like a resolution or just like get to
1: create an event just for the sake of something happening um definitely that is I I don't think I've solved it um like I have sort of done that no I don't know if I've done that but like I've I found
0: the last I'm third... really sorry if you haven't no 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 I haven't. Over no, no one's running, running over
1: anyone <laughs> um but like I did have to sort of just be like well it's, it's happening like we're sort of creating a, a slightly not like false but just like slightly more just like theatrical, like it's the story, you know, like in a, in a sort of classic comedy, like there's a, you know, obviously like a mistake of mistaken identity. And then all the characters end up on stage all at the, at the end at the same time or something. Yeah. There's something like deeply artificial about that, but it's just for the form. Like it's, you know, there's the idea of tying up a narrative neatly is artificial anyway. So I just kind of accepted like, yes, we need something to happen just because it's, it's the craft, like, um it's a nice you know it is fundamentally a story as well so i i don't have many qualms about just kind of like kind of ratcheting the action up a little bit just to sort of create um just a sense of shape um because it sort of yeah it sort of needs to happen but the last third i found really really hard i don't know if that's a general thing for writers i have sort of heard that um, I, I i
0: think I, I i when i've spoken to writers my deeply unscientific thing is that everyone has walls that appear at different places yeah some people are like they durtle that blank page is what they have to push through. Yeah, yeah. Some pe- for some people it's they get to the middle and when they've got out of that kind of like ten thousand to thirty thousand word honeymoon yeah. where they can just do a kind of voice and just keep going and they're like going, Hey character, talk to me. Like mm. well, let's and then in comes, you know, uh, and, then, and then, you know, we'll bring in your kind of like mother-in-law with a chainsaw or whatever. And they can keep like doing this kind of like keeping the novelty going and, and, and surprising themselves. And then they go, mm. okay, what what is this about though? Yeah, And then that's where they get stuck. Um, for me, it's like often I get to about halfway to two thirds and then I lose confidence in it. I'm just like, I just think this is probably shit. I think I should stop and I feel embarrassed. And Also, I've got other ideas like crowding to get my attention. Oh,
1: think, oh that one might be better. Do you show it to someone at that stage? Yeah, but they always just
0: say it's fine. And I'm like, you're... And then I, quiet, I go, thank you. That's really kind of you, my friend. And then quietly, and this is the awful bit, I go, I've lost respect for you. And <laughs> I like go, I know it's crap. Wow. You are either lying... I don't say it to them, mm-hmm. but I'm like, you are either lying to me or... You Have very poor taste in literature, and it's awful. So I'd right? like to throw them on the bus, be wrong. yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like, and I've spoken mm-hmm. to people, you know, chatting to Joe Dunthorne when he came on the show, and he was talking about oh. like he was writing his book, his novel, and he ended up, you know, in his head, he hadn't really considered, but he, he had created a conspiracy theory where like his agent, editor, all his friends were all basically. <laughs> involved in this kind of like conspiracy yeah. of like don't tell Joe that he can't write fiction anymore. We'll yeah. all say this is great, you know, keep working on it. I think this bit could do they're all they're all either have completely lost their reason. Mm. Or they've drunk from the poisoned well of whatever. Or they're lying to me to protect my feelings. Every, everyone. 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 So and I'm right. I'm the only one who clearly sees that this like it's is... It's
1: terrible, is, don't. don't you see? That's brilliant. Like, yeah. And, it, and, it, and mm. it's hard. It's, it's that it's the adulterants that he was talking about? Yeah, yeah. yeah. It's great. Yeah, yeah it's, <laughs> it's, and it's and, and
0: mm. Yeah, and it's it's just, I think it's really interesting and it's easy for us to kind of like get involved in this sense of just being knackered and just actually very accurately spotting one or two Specific acute problems, mm. and then expanding them in our heads to being chronic. Yeah. Going, this is a broken book when actually it's like this is a broken sentence, actually. And you remove that and oh, it breathes.
1: Yeah, yeah, exactly. Or just like, yeah, you sort of see one thing and you're like, oh my God, the whole house of cards completely collapses. Um, and it's, often just fixable like you can just you can just fix something but sometimes the energy required maybe to do that just seems like just so overwhelming that you're just like i just can't do it but it doesn't have to happen that fast i think that's what i learned i always wanted everything to be done fast i'd be like i can't do it meaning i can't do it within the next two months but that doesn't mean you can't do it yeah
0: um yeah 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 i that's really really um i think that's really really great insight um I, i just i suppose like to kind of like round things off. I wanted to ask you and this is a very cheesy question, but like for um cuz you know, lots of people are listening are writing and lots of people are, you know, either working on novels or short stories or they're kind of like getting to you know got work at various states of um of completeness or incompleteness or just in their heads these little butterflies going around that they haven't caught yet. Is there, what has been useful to you in kind of like getting you through those kind of days where (laughs) where like your writing is just doesn't, just you're not feeling it. Mm. Like what, I'm wondering if there's any things that have got you through that, that have allowed you to keep walking, keep, you know, how have you, have you done it? God, it's hard.
1: Um, I think potentially I like trick myself into like thinking I have an office job or something like a commute to libraries in like like I've always done it like when I was in Norwich I just go to the UEA library and I go to various libraries in London like just get up in the morning early like you know get properly dressed get on the tube like just go and be like yes I'm going to my job now and then you sort of sit there and then I, I think that's sort of helpful because like yeah when, when I've had like full-time jobs and stuff you, you kind of don't expect to, solve the universe every day just as long as you like put in the hours and do something like it's fine like not every day is amazing sometimes you will make mistakes and and it's just sort of framing it more just like as a as work rather than like some kind of a thing that has to be incredible and like a you know a performance every time um that's sort of helpful um i don't know it's just tough isn't it i think it's just persistence a lot of writers i speak to like you were saying earlier have sort of taken up running weirdly and they're all quite surprised because they're not usually athletic people um or the people i've spoken to they're like god i was terrible at sports in school but i've just started running like inexplicably and i think it's quite Yeah, i mean it's often around the time that Mm. they've like
0: stopped drinking or quit quit weed or something like that and they're Mm. like oh i just i'm really interested in this thing that makes my brain produce morphine like why am I-